In this episode, Pastor John Mark Caton continues his series entitled, A Man's Handbook. John Mark highlights three things that the Lord teaches us during tough times. Today's passages are found in Nehemiah 1 and 2, Exodus 14, 13 through 27, and 1 Corinthians 15, 53 through 58. Now let's tough it out with John Mark. All right, uh, I think today's lesson is for y'all. When I hear that no one in here has any good news, uh, then I've, I've got the message for the bad news time. Uh, I don't know what trials y'all are going through or difficulties y'all are going through. Uh, I, I had a few trials this morning just getting here. Uh, looks like some other guys probably uh, did too. Uh, we have had, uh, if you didn't know this story, uh, back in 2008, how many of you remember the economy crash and everything was going on like that? And uh, in 2008, um, Chrysler Dodge Jeep, ran a half-off MSRP. How many of you remember that? They were just trying to get rid of their trucks. And I went down and bought a 2008 Dodge Ram. And uh, the member of our church was the general manager. At one, I said, what's the deal with this? And he goes, no, it's a real deal. He says, but we pulled them all off and we've upgraded with leather and stuff. That's the only way I make money. I go, oh, okay. He goes, so they end up being about as expensive, but it's got all the upgrades on it. The Texas editions came out back then, those kind of things. And uh, I go, oh, so, so they're in the 30s. And he goes, I've got two that I haven't touched. And he says, you can come down here and have them. And so, and look at them. And I went down and bought a, uh, the lowest base model 2008 Dodge Ram for like $14,800, okay? And it truly was half off MSRP. Now, as a V6 and everything, we walked in there and he goes, hey. Uh, and again, they, what was happening is they had redesigned the Dodge Ram. The 2009s couldn't come in until they got rid of the 2008s, right? No one, so that's what happened. So I walked in, he goes, and they just put a, an extended 100,000 mile warranty on this thing. And I jokingly said, uh, I jokingly said to him, I said, you know what I really want is a lifetime warranty. And he says, I got one of those. I said, what? And for $1,000, I bought a lifetime bumper-to-bumper warranty on my 2008 Dodge Ram. I can have anything fixed for $100. Anything fixed for $100. I put three air conditionings in it. We put new windows in it. We've done everything. It's been totaled by hell twice, and I bought it back to keep it. Now, I couldn't sell it and have this lifetime warranty, but so Jarrett's been driving. It's got a 250,000 miles on it. And Jace's wedding back in September, Jarrett's driving to Jace's wedding and the engine blows up. And it's been sitting in McAllister, Oklahoma all this time. Why? Because they got to wait for an original old big block V6 to come off the factory line or I lose my warranty. So I've been patient and waiting, patient and waiting. And so uh, JJ has Gina's car. And so we've been sharing my truck and and this Jeep. Well, then it got cold and wet the last couple of days. And Gina didn't like driving the Jeep anymore. And sometimes I needed the truck. So we borrowed a Jeep and uh, from from some friends. And last week they're saying, now listen, here's the problem with the Jeep is it leaks. I said, I don't care. (laughs) Till I went out and got in it this morning. I sat, I sat down and my butt was totally wet. And then the first stoplight that I came to, all the water that was on 
uh, the thing came down and literally starts pouring down the dash. And so uh, anyway, maybe that's the kind of day you had. But when we come to today, here's what I want us to know as we think about that. How should we go through trials, but more importantly, when God allows trials to come our way, what does he want to teach us? What does he want to teach us? Like with our Dodge Ram, uh, teaching us patience because of the supply chain issue. By the way, here's what we now know. The engine from September is now in McAllister, Oklahoma. That is a good thing. How long it will take them to install it will be a different thing. But what is it teaching me? It's teaching me patience, teaching Gene and I to share all over again, to learn to plan and schedule who needs to drive the vehicle at what time. But here's what we know. When God shows us something, in the midst of trials, it's always to improve us or to better us. And so look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Here's what Paul says, and uh, let's look at this. Paul says, indeed, he says, indeed, we had received what felt like a sentence of death, but this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises from the dead. Then he says, he has delivered us, from such a deadly peril, and listen to this, and he will do it again. Then he says, on him we have set our hope that we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. Now notice what Paul is saying. He's saying, man, we need to learn to trust God, not ourselves. How often do we roll through life, especially when things are good, and we trust ourselves, right? That I kind of got this, right? Uh, I, I do know this, and, and your experience is very similar to mine. I also know this experience of being a pastor, that, uh, that when I hear from people the most is when things are not going well, right? When someone wants to meet with me, when someone wants to call me, when someone wants to talk to me, they may be around the church forever. We have casual conversation, casual conversation. When someone stops and say, says, hey, uh, can we get a moment together? Here's what I almost invariably know. 99% of the time, they are going through something, right? Right? And what that tells us a lot of time, it reminds us exactly what Paul says. That there are times we go through trials, and it's when we go through trials that we are reminded that we cannot always rely on ourselves, but we need to rely on God. And then I love what Paul says, and he goes, not only were we able to rely on God, and he got us through, even though in his words, he felt like, or we felt like we had a sentence of death. Then he goes on and says, and we continue to believe that God will deliver us again. So guys, as we journey through life today, let's make that kind of a thought process that we always are looking, regardless of the circumstances, to trust God. That even if it feels like it might be a sentence of death to a relationship, to your finances, to your occupation, to your job, to this or to your health, don't ever forget that God has the power to overcome whatever you're going through. 
And don't always rely on yourself. And one of the things, if you read that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he doesn't just stop there. We learn to rely on God. Then right after that, if you read it, he says, and we relied on y'all because y'all prayed for us. So what does that mean? Guys, when we go through things, we don't go through it alone. We trust God. We believe in God. We know that God has delivered us in the past, and we believe he's going to deliver us again. But I also want God's people, other men, praying for me. That's why it's so important that we gather and get to know men that when I go through something, even if it feels like a death sentence, I've got others that are there with me. You go a little further in 2 Corinthians. He talks about the importance of a church. So guys, as we go through, I want you to know, even Paul understood as he grew to learn something about God, as God delivered him even from a sentence of death, and he believes that God can do it again, Paul immediately says, but I don't go through this alone. He says, I've got other people that will pray for me. I've got a church that will wrap their arms around me. Then he begins to acknowledge in 2 Corinthians other churches that he's been to in the past, other friends and other men. How many of you have a, a dude, a buddy, a friend that no longer lives in this city, but they are still counted as a friend? How many of you have one of those? Don't you? I, I've got a couple of guys, and probably so do you, that maybe you went to college with or all the way back to high school with or you worked with, that I don't see them very much. But when I do see them, it's like it was just a comma and we finished the conversation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just roll in and, man, it's just awesome. It's like, okay, and remind me, man, last time we were talking, you know, and all the, just like we do with each other. And so, guys, if you are going through a trial or if you're not going through a trial, you need to understand the importance of learning to trust God. And this is what we're going to talk about today, that God wants to teach us every time you and I go through a trial, God wants to teach us one of three things. But don't go through it alone. Don't go through it alone. And you say, all right, Pastor, what does God want to teach us? What are some of the things that God might want to teach us if we are going through a trial? You might want to just write this down. Thought number one, sometimes God uses tough times in my life to transform me for the greater good. Sometimes God uses tough times in my life to transform me, to change me for the greater good. In other words, when I go through a hard time or a difficult time or a difficult season, I don't go through it alone. But God wants to transform me to do something, to move into action for the greater good. I think the best example of this idea that God taking his people through tough times in order to transform a dude... So that dude would develop a new dream and a new vision to make something happen for the greater good is a guy called Nehemiah. If you go look at Nehemiah chapter 1, let's just pick it up and we're going to jump into the story and read a little bit of it. This is under the heading of this. God allows me to go through tough, tough times and tough trials because he wants to change me for the greater good. Here's what it says in verse 2. It says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, uh, came from Judah with some of the other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile back in Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province in great trouble and great distress, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Look at verse 4. This is Nehemiah. He says, When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed for, to the God of heaven. 
Then look at verse 5. It says, Then I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. He says, Let your ear be attentive uh, and your eyes be open and your ears hear the prayer of your servant is praying today before you. And night um, for your servant. This is the people of Israel. I'm praying for the people of Israel. And then he says, I confess the sins of the Israelites. But notice what he says, including myself and my father's family. We have committed great sin and wickedness against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you, verse 7. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees uh, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Then look at verse 11. He says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant in this place and the prayer of your servant who delights in revering your name. Now notice what he says. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, that's the king. Because I was a cupbearer of the king. So here's what has happened. The children of Israel who are, who are back uh, in Jerusalem, they, they're back in exile. The walls are burned down. They are a disgrace. They are going through hard times. Nehemiah hears about it. And God allows this troubled, tough, this tough time to transform Nehemiah for the greater good. And so guys, maybe that's where you are today. That, that you are going through some trials or some difficulties, or maybe someone you know, know is going through some trials or difficulties, and when you hear about those, you should ask yourself the question, is God challenging me to do something about the problem they are experiencing? Or is God challenging me to do something about the problem that I'm going through? If you're going through a, a, a relational uh, meltdown or if you're going through an occupational meltdown, if you're going through some other difficulty or hardship or a financial meltdown, one of the things that God allows us, one of the reasons God allows us to go through those things is He wants to transform us. Man, if I have been doing things to harm my marriage or harm my relationship with other people or harm myself at the office or at the job, the best thing I can do is change. How many of you know? Because never, ever, ever, if it's a relationship issue, is it always a one-sided problem? I've always contributed something to the problem. Now, I usually didn't contribute 100%. Now, Gina might say from time to time, no, I think it was 100% from you, right? But here's what I know. Am I willing to allow myself to be transformed for the greater good. What was the greater good? We're going to see here, and we're going to read it just at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 2. The greater good that Nehemiah was transformed for was that he would go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls, right? That was the greater good. Because if the children of Israel were going to either, at any point, in any season, regain their former glory, somebody had to do it. Everybody say that. Somebody had to do it. Man, guys, we're, I'm looking at men who, if you see a problem, part of the reason why God might be allowing you to see that problem is because He wants to transform you to move from complacency to action in order to do something for the greater good. And that's exactly what we see. Now, Nehemiah could have just stopped there in Nehemiah chapter 1. He could have said, man, I hate that for them down there. And guess what else Nehemiah could have said? I got a pretty cush job, right? He was the cupbearer to the king. 
He goes, I could just hang out here and, and feel sorry for those guys down there. But instead, he chose to allow God to transform his perspective to challenge him to leave his safe space and safe place to go help others for the greater good. And so, guys, I want to encourage us as men to always be looking for opportunities for us to move from a comfortable seat to a place that God can use me for the greater good. And that's exactly what we see. Look in Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 1. It says, uh, when wine was brought to the king. Now, uh, Nehemiah was also wise, right? Uh, if, if you're going to request something, ask something of the king, and you're the cupbearer, go ahead and get him liquored up first. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Uh, get him liquored up first. He says, when wine was brought to them, uh, he says, I, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. You're never sad in the presence of the king. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill at all? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king picks up on it. Nehemiah, why are you sad? And then notice what it says. He says, I was afraid. I was fixing to move out of my comfort zone. But I said to the king, notice the honor, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed? The king said to me, what is it that you want to do? And here's where the transformation took place. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, kind of a, kind of a quick toss-up prayer. I've been praying for this. Lord, let this go well. Because if it goes badly, it's going to be bad. He says, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Guys, it's easy to point out the problems. It's easy to identify the problems. It's easy to identify the need. The question for men is are we willing to be transformed to do something amazing for the greater good? Are we willing to be transformed to do something for the greater good? My encouragement, guys, in here is we need a bunch of men, whether you're online or whether you're in this room, who when they see a problem, aren't willing to stay in their cush position. But they're willing to step up, Say, I want to be a part of the solution. So sometimes God lets us go through hard times, difficult seasons, difficult times, because He wants to transform us for the greater good. I think there's another reason God lets us go through tough times. Sometimes God lets us go through incredibly tough times because He wants to remind us, write this down, that He has power even over the greatest circumstances. Sometimes God lets us go through hard times because He wants to transform us for the greater good. Sometimes God lets us go through hard times because He wants to remind us that He has the power even over the greatest hardships and circumstances. You say, give me an example of this, Pastor. Well, what about the children of Israel? Remember the children of Israel? They had been in bondage for all those years. Moses shows up, let my people go. Finally, Pharaoh acquiesces after the 10th plague. Uh, after the uh, oldest male son dies, the children of Israel are journeying out of Egypt towards the promised land. Then remember, Pharaoh has a change of heart, right? 
But the children of Israel have already moved out. They are confronting the Red Sea ahead of them. And then all of a sudden they see the chariots of all of Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh had changed his mind coming up behind them. So they are literally boxed in. Water before them. An army behind them. That is a bad, bad, bad place to be. That is a tough circumstance. But sometimes God allows us to go to places and go to spaces where there seems to be no way out so that God can remind us. And how many of you know we need reminding? So that God can remind us that He has the power over all our circumstances and even over the worst of our circumstances. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Let me just begin to read it and notice how God has the power to change the circumstances and God ultimately splits the Red Sea. Pick it up reading in verse 13. You got the Egyptians behind them, the Red Sea in front of them. It says, Moses answered the people. Now, what did he answer them? In typical fashion, right before this, go read it. The children of Israel who had been in bondage hadn't been free very long, knew that God was delivering them, taking them to a promised land. All of a sudden, in this moment of difficulty and hardship, Red Sea behind, in front of them, uh, the, the Pharaoh's uh, Egyptian army behind them, they immediately, go read the preceding verses, they immediately begin to mumble and grumble and whine against Moses. And they said here for the first time what they say 20 other times in the book of Exodus. What is it? It would have been better for us to die back in Egypt than walk around out here. And you know what they always filled in the blank with? Without water, without food, or with the same food, right? And that's exactly what they had said. They already begin to mumble against, uh, mumble and grumble against Moses. They said, it would have been better for us to die in slavery. My thought is, really? At least you had a little bit of freedom, right? Give me a little bit of freedom. But they begin to grumble, and so notice what Moses said in verse 8. So Moses answered the people and said, Hey, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord that He will bring to you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And the Lord, the Lord will ultimately fight against you. Jump down to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all the night and, uh, and uh, that night. And the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were ultimately divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with all the water, wall of water on their right as well as on their left. Now jump down to verse 23. And it says, the Egyptians pursued them, and Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them down into the sea, and we know what happened. They were swallowed up. Then as they got to the other side, look at verse 26. Then the Lord spoke to Moses again, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses, sure enough, obediently stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them away into the sea. So second lesson, when you and I are going through hard times, difficult situations, sometimes God is just wanting to remind us that He still has the power 
to rescue us and deliver us even from the worst circumstances. Thought number one, God allows us to go through trials so He can transform us for the greater good. Thought number two, God allows us to go through trials so He can ultimately, what? Show and demonstrate His power even over the worst circumstances. Here's number three, guys, and write this down. Sometimes God lets us go through trials and hardships to remind us that as long as we're on this earth, we will have trials and hardships. But He's ultimately given the believer, the follower of Christ, the ultimate victory in heaven. Do we understand that? That God sometimes allows us to go through hardships just to remind us we're not in heaven yet. How many of us know that? Guys, we're not there yet. It won't take you and me long, it won't take us long to leave this place to realize we aren't in heaven this morning. Get to your first stoplight, get to the house, go buy your cup of coffee, do whatever. We will be reminded pretty quickly that we are not in heaven. But sometimes I believe God allows us to go through trials here, difficulties here, hardships here, to remind us that our ultimate victory is an eternal one up in heaven. You say, where do you see this? Notice this same Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is the victory chapter where he talks about ultimately we who are followers of Christ get to celebrate an eternal victory with no more trials, no more hardships, no more difficulties, and no more struggles. Here's what he says, man. He says, he says 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, he says, God hasn't promised you great times or He would mo- remove all your problems in this world. But here's what he said. He says, there's coming a day, verse 53, where this perishable will clothe itself with the imperishable. And this mortal will ultimately put on immortality. And when this perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and this mortal will be clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will come to be true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Then notice Paul begins to rub it in, kind of his victory dance. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He says, yeah, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But look at verse 57. But thanks be to God, for He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we live now as we roll through trials? He tells us right here in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. We've been talking about that that phrase right there in the Armor of God series over and over again. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. So guys, if you are going through a hard time, hard season, difficult season right now, or maybe you know somebody, anybody know anyone that's going through a hard time right now? Some of you do. Then maybe what you need to do with those folks is go schedule a coffee, a breakfast, or a lunch and share with them these three things. Hey, you know what? Here's what we know from God's Word. God lets us go through trials and hardships and difficulties for one of three reasons. One, He wants to change me and transform me for the greater good. See, a lot of times when we go through trials, we begin to be inwardly focused instead of outwardly focused, right? If you heard Brian audio on on Saturday morning, if you hear, what was his key word? Others. 
So sometimes God let me, lets me go through hardships and trials because He wants to transform, change me from being selfish to thinking about the greater good. The second thing, sometimes God allows me to go through the hardest circumstances because He needs to remind me that He has the power to overcome even the hardest circumstances. And number three, God allows me to go through hardships and trials to remind me he never promised to remove all my problems down here. But there will come a day when I, as a follower of Christ, will spend eternity in heaven where there's no more crying and no more dying and no more tears and no more pain. But notice how Paul finished that. He says, but while you remain here, stand firm. And notice those words. And give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. Guys, as we close today, let me just tell you this. Regardless of your age, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I want you to know as a man, your ultimate call as a man of God is not to sit around and wait for eternal bliss. I'm going to say that again. Your call and your job and my job is not to sit around and wait for eternal bliss in heaven. My job is to live with an understanding that this ain't heaven, but heaven's coming. But until then, I'm going to give myself fully to the work of the Lord for the greater good because God can overcome any circumstance and heaven ultimately awaits. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these guys. Thank you for these that are on Zoom and online. And God, I pray that if there's someone that is going through one of those tough seasons in lives right now, that they would just remember those three things. Maybe God is allowing us and my family and those around me to go through a tough time because God wants to transform me from a person of inaction to action for the greater good. Maybe, God, you're allowing us to go through hard times and even seem uh, seemingly overwhelmingly difficult times like the Egyptians facing the Red Sea, like the children of Israel facing the Red Sea and the Egyptians behind them. And, God, maybe you want to remind us you have power even over the toughest circumstances. Or, God, number three, you're allowing us to go through tough times just to remind us we aren't in heaven yet. Therefore... We give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.